Are you tired of battling through the dreaded pre-period week or struggling with menopause symptoms? It's time to reclaim control with Estro Control. When I'm not feeling like myself, I'm not able to show up as my best self for my family, my friends, or my podcast team. Luckily, I found Estro Control. The formula is designed to make that time of the month a breeze so you can finally feel like yourself again. And for those battling through menopause or perimenopause, Hormone Harmony is here to help. With their science-backed adaptogenic blend, you can conquer hot flashes, low moods, poor sleep, and more. Happy Mammoth, the company behind Hormone Harmony, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality, and it shows. Join the thousands of women who swear by Happy Mammoth's products. It says something that a bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. Plus, the adaptogenic blend helps your body adapt to hormonal changes naturally. Whether you're dealing with PMS woes or menopause struggles, Happy Mammoth has you covered. And the biggest benefit? Feeling like myself again. That's what women mention over and over in their reviews. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code MURDERISH at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code MURDERISH for 15% off today. The opinions expressed in this episode do not necessarily reflect those of the Murderish podcast. Sensitive topics are discussed. Listener discretion is advised. Seated beneath a starless Southern California sky, Tristan Baudet and his brother-in-law, Scott McCurdy, sipped Manhattans out of plastic cups in the glow of a smoldering campfire. Sleeping close by were their most treasured possessions, Scott's two boys, ages three and five, and Tristan's daughters, two and four. The men, both in their mid-thirties, had left their wives in Orange County to embark on a final camping trip together before Tristan and his wife Erica relocated to the Bay Area to accept new jobs. Their home for the night? Malibu Creek State Park. Maybe it was the long day at the beach with the kids under the hot sun, or maybe it was the Manhattans, but Scott began to open up to his brother-in-law about his feelings. He told Tristan he loved him and that he was sad he was moving half a state away. Tristan replied graciously, assuring his camping buddy that he, Erica, and the girls would visit often. The two men exchanged a brief hug, then decided it was time to join the children in their respective tents, to get some shut-eye. Scott put out the fire while Tristan threw their empty cups in the trash. It was sometime after one in the morning on June 22, 2018. Scott had barely dozed off when he was awakened by what he thought were fireworks. He closed his eyes to fall back asleep. He heard another sound, this one far more disturbing. It was Tristan's daughters crying. He couldn't make out what they were saying at first. Then it became clear. Why wasn't Tristan helping them, Scott thought to himself, half annoyed. So he got up, tossed on a light jacket, and told his boys to stay put. Scott then made his way to the campsite next door. Using his cell phone as a flashlight, he unzipped the tent and peered inside. 
The first thing he saw was Tristan's daughters, huddled together and crying. The girls whimpered, wet, wet. Tristan was lying face down in the center of the tent. Scott grabbed his brother-in-law by the shoulder, rolled him over, and pointed the phone. Tristan's face was covered in blood. The magenta streak ran from his head to the floor, where it pooled up around the two little girls. Scott immediately called for help. When word of Tristan Baudet's murder reached the public later that day, conspiracy theories swirled. Given the state park's location, next to one of the wealthiest, safest, and most heavily touristed communities in California, few assumed it had been a random act. Had Tristan, a research scientist at a major pharmaceutical firm, been targeted for his work studying vaccines? Did a business rival want him dead? Was it a disgruntled park worker or someone associated with one of the illegal marijuana farms hidden in the surrounding mountains? The answer no one wanted to consider, that there was a monster in the Malibu Hills killing indiscriminately. And at that moment, they were still on the loose. This is Jamie, and you're listening to Murderish. Join me as I look into the 2018 murder of Tristan Baudet. Malibu Creek State Park is one of 280 properties controlled by the California State Park System. Spanning 8,000 acres, it rests in a canyon in the Santa Monica Mountains between Los Angeles' San Fernando Valley and coastal Malibu, the beachfront community that's home to some of Hollywood's biggest stars. Malibu Creek State Park is best known for serving as the backdrop to the TV series MASH, which began filming there in 1972, four years before the park was opened to the public, when the land still served as a movie ranch for 20th Century Fox. Visitors of Malibu Creek can visit a recreation of MASH's operating room and see other remnants of the hit show, which followed the lives of a group of doctors and nurses stationed at a mobile army surgical hospital during the Korean War. Given its proximity to metropolitan Los Angeles, Malibu Creek draws hundreds of thousands of visitors each year, most of whom spend only a few hours in the park, hiking or biking, along its 30 miles of winding trails. But for those fortunate enough to secure a spot, reservations must be made months in advance. Camping in Malibu Creek is a special delight. Encircled by chaparral-covered hillsides and picturesque coastal oaks, the park's only campground sits in a meadow with just 63 sites spread around a single gravel loop. Campers hardly need to rough it. Amenities include electricity, hot showers, flush toilets, a laundry room, and even free Wi-Fi. Pitching their tents just eight miles from the Pacific Ocean, guests can forego sleeping bags given that temperatures rarely dip below 40 degrees, even at night in the dead of winter. Malibu Creek State Park is actually closer to Calabasas, home of the Kardashians, than it is to Malibu. 
The nearest beach is about a 15 to 20 minute drive away, depending on traffic. The park's namesake creek, which empties into Malibu Lagoon, is the principal watercourse of the Santa Monica Mountains, an ancient range that hugs the Southern California coastline between the Hollywood Hills and Point Magoo. The slow-moving body of water, which nearly runs dry during the state's extended droughts, tracks 14 miles to the ocean, past ancient oak savannas and sycamore woodlands. Following the trail along Malibu Creek, visitors are treated to spectacular views of volcanic rock gorges, scenic pools, and jagged peaks, seemingly a world away from the massive metropolis just over the ridgeline. The area was the center of Chumash Native American life for centuries. One of the park's most significant points of interest is the Sepulveda adobe, which was constructed in 1863 on what had been part of a Spanish land grant. The historic structure, restored in 2003, was leveled by the devastating Woolsey Fire in 2018. The massive blaze left three people dead, destroyed thousands of homes, and burned countless native tree and plant species to the ground. In all, 100,000-plus acres in the Santa Monica Mountains were left scarred and black. But when Scott McCurdy, Tristan Baudet, and their kids arrived for their stay in the spring of 2018, the pristine park remained a mix of green and brown. The pair had wanted to camp at Malibu Creek since discovering the park during a visit to Los Angeles several years earlier, before the two became parents. With only a few weeks left before Tristan's scheduled move to Northern California, they figured it was now or never. Since Erica, an OBGYN at UC Irvine Hospital, had a medical board certification exam to study for that night, Tristan decided to make it a dad's trip. After a week of preparation, Tristan was a meticulous planner. He, Scott, and the kids headed out to Malibu caravan style from Orange County. It was June 21st, 2018, summer solstice, the longest day of the year. Upon arriving at their designated campsite, Tristan was disappointed with the lack of flat ground on which to pitch a tent. So he doubled back to the entrance in his black Subaru Forester and bargained with one of the rangers to get a different spot. Tristan and his girls landed Site 51, a flat patch in the northern end of the meadow. Scott and his boys took the site next door. While the kids played with toys and rode bikes, the two men set up camp. Once finished, the two families set a course for Surfrider Beach, where they'd spend the day building sandcastles, collecting seashells, and dipping their toes in the chilly Pacific Ocean. A photo taken during the excursion shows Tristan in a black shirt, rainbow shorts, and a straw hat, holding his daughter's hands. All three are facing the ocean. Life, it seemed, couldn't get any better. They headed back to the campground shortly before dawn to prep dinner. Hot dogs, hamburgers, potato salad, and, of course, s'mores. Experienced outdoorsmen, Tristan and Scott thought they were ready for anything. They brought along spray to keep away coyotes, 
and a large stick should they encounter a mountain lion. What they didn't know was that there was another kind of predator lurking around Malibu Creek State Park, one of the human variety. And once they did find out, it was already too late. Born in Fresno, California on the 19th of November, 1982, Tristan Thomas Baudet had a beautiful mind. Naturally inquisitive, he split his time between exploring nature and burying his head in books, two pastimes that set him up for success in the classroom. He won first place at the Science Olympiad as a high school sophomore. Tristan's teachers at Fresno's Edison High School where he graduated valedictorian in 2000, recall an honest, hardworking, and gifted student who cared deeply about understanding the world around him and wanting to protect it. Lisa Poole, Tristan's science teacher at Computech Middle School, told the Fresno Bee in 2018 that Baudet stood out from thousands of students that she'd taught during her 35 years in education. Poole said, he always gave a hundred percent, and he was always very successful. Poole described Tristan's family as close-knit, noting they shared and did everything together. When time came to go to college, Tristan was excited to escape California's breadbasket for its sun-kissed beaches. He accepted a scholarship offer from the University of California, San Diego where he graduated in 2005 with a degree in chemistry. After spending a year as a summer research intern at IBM, Tristan began pursuing a PhD at UC Berkeley, completing his studies in 2010. Tristan and his wife, Erica Wu, met when the two were in high school. Erica, the fourth of five children born to Chinese immigrants, and Tristan, had agreed to attend winter formal together their senior year, and suddenly they found themselves in love. Erica told the New Yorker magazine of her husband, he was a happy guy. He was very sort of just uncomplicated. He wore everything on his sleeve. Both career-minded, Tristan and Erica waited until their 30s to have children. When they finally did, they embraced parenting like they did everything else in their lives, with vigor and attention to detail. According to his parents, Tristan was happiest out in nature and spent every chance he could hiking, biking, snowboarding, and camping with his family. Every camping trip was an experience for Tristan, who embraced each step in the process, from mapping out their destination to packing the car with gear to deciding what to eat for every meal. While Erica didn't exactly share her husband's love of the great outdoors, Tristan did everything he could to make her comfortable. Erica Wu said to the New Yorker, when we did go, he would bring a blow-up bed. He would try to minimize the roughing it as much as possible for me. Tristan and Erica loved to take their girls on outdoor jaunts, the youngest held in a baby carrier strapped to Tristan's chest, the oldest pushed in a stroller. Yet, as much as they loved life in Orange County, Tristan and Erica were ready for a change. Tristan was hired by Allergen, a global pharmaceutical giant 
headquartered in Dublin, Ireland, but with offices around the world, including in Irvine, where the couple bought a home. The company, most famous for introducing Botox to the world, was raking in billions in profits from the sale of several core drugs. Tristan worked in Allergen's research and development department, looking for the firm's next wonder drug. At 35, he'd already been published in highly respected scientific journals and held a patent over a process to deliver vaccines. Erica, meanwhile, didn't let motherhood stop her from reaching her own professional goals. At the time of Tristan's death, she was a resident in obstetrics and gynecology at UC Irvine, seeing hundreds of patients a month. Erica said to People magazine of her marriage to Tristan, We met when we were teenagers, grew up together, married, and had two amazing and beautiful daughters. In everything that he did, Tristan was kind, selfless, and giving, and had a natural ability to connect with just about anyone. The cruel irony of Tristan being killed, doing something he loved, was not lost on family and loved ones. Erica said, Tristan rejoiced in sharing his love of the outdoors with the girls and believed that campgrounds were the definition of a sanctuary where people could feel safe and secure. As fate would have it, the campground at Malibu Creek was anything but. Who has time to cook for every single meal? I don't, but eating out a lot gets repetitive and expensive. But with HelloFresh and their quick and easy options available for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, all you need is 15 minutes to enjoy a tasty, homemade meal. And if your family's like mine, their hunger never seems to end. HelloFresh allows you to add snacks, sides, and more to your weekly order, which will keep your family's complaints at bay. HelloFresh makes getting delicious, quick meals so easy. Simply shop their market to pick from a curated selection of over 100 add-on items, and then poof, they're at your doorstep, ready to prepare and enjoy. At our house right now, like so many others, we're getting hit with the back-to-school chaos. So I enlisted the help of HelloFresh for grocery shopping and meal planning. And I've found so many meals the whole family enjoys like the Baja chicken quesadillas with salsa fresca and lime crema. With HelloFresh, all the ingredients get delivered to my door so I can spend more time with family and less time running errands. Their easy-to-follow recipes are a lifesaver and so easy for my daughter to follow. She's my executive sous chef. If you're ready to make this back-to-school season easier for you and your family, Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50Murderish and use code 50Murderish for 50% off plus free shipping. Within days of Tristan Baudet's June 2018 murder at Malibu Creek, the public learned a shocking truth. While the young scientist had been the first person shot and killed in the state park in recent history, he had not been the first to be shot at not by a long shot. The coroner's report said that Tristan had been killed by a single 9mm bullet to the head while he lay sleeping in his tent. The copper-jacketed round entered his right temple, pierced his brain, and came to rest in his right shoulder blade. 
While residents of Calabasas, Malibu, and other surrounding communities speculated about the perpetrator's identity, some members of local law enforcement had a sinking feeling the murder was connected to a series of near-miss shootings that had occurred near the park in recent years, shootings the public knew nothing about. The shootings had started two years earlier, in November of 2016, when a backpacker sleeping in a hammock in neighboring Tapia State Park was sprayed by birdshot fired from what police would later describe as an improvised shotgun. He was injured but survived. Less than a week later, another person was fired upon, this one in Malibu Creek State Park proper, while he slept in a camper trailer. A third attempted shooting was reported in January of 2017, in the same area, by a couple who were shot at while napping in their car. In the summer of that year, the shooter's prey changed from stationary targets to moving ones, or more specifically, cars driving along Malibu Canyon Road, a two-lane highway that connects LA proper to the beach. They also upgraded their weapon from a crudely rigged shotgun firing pellets to a sawed-off rifle shooting lead bullets. In the span of a few weeks, a white Porsche and then a white BMW were both hit by bullets as they passed by Malibu Creek State Park. The six shootings all took place during the early morning hours between 2 and 5 a.m. The seventh and final near miss didn't come until June 18th of 2018, just days before Tristan Baudet's murder. A white Tesla was hit on the hood by a bullet as it drove along Las Virginis Road in Calabasas, just a short distance from the creek. Despite the repeated instances of unidentified gunfire in and around the highly populated and historically safe area, authorities decided not to alert the public. No warnings were issued, no signs posted, no bulletins released over social media calling on parkgoers to be vigilant. It was complete radio silence. Of course, one can't help but wonder whether Tristan Baudet would still be alive today had he known about the previous shootings. Lieutenant James Royal of the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Office, who would later sue the department, said he wanted to go to the press, but he was rebuked, then transferred after he made a fuss. According to Lieutenant Royal, his supervisors told him the issue was a state park's problem. Adding insult to injury, Lieutenant Royal was asked to represent the department during a public town hall held shortly after Baudet's murder. In the face of a room full of angry citizens, Royal said he was forced to tell a bald-faced lie. The lieutenant said to the crowd, there is no confirmed connection to the prior shootings. His attorney would later claim that Royal was forced to regurgitate the department's message even though he knew it was wrong. The lawsuit alleged that he tried twice to get his superiors to issue a public safety warning, the first time over a year before Tristan Baudet was killed. As for state parks officials, they largely stayed mum on their reasons for not announcing the presence 
of an unknown shooter in the hills firing at random targets. Reports were that within the agency, rangers had made it a point to avoid patrols late at night for fear of the shooter and were frustrated with the sheriff department's inaction. The lack of warning led Tristan Baudet's widow, Erica Wu, to file a $90 million lawsuit against state parks and the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department, claiming the public agencies had a sworn duty to make the shootings known to visitors. While the case was eventually dismissed on a technicality, the stain on both agencies has not been quick to wash out. Once outrage over the lack of transparency began to recede, the public's attention turned to the lack of an arrest. For months after Baudet was fatally shot, Malibu Creek Campground remained closed as investigators scoured the area for clues that might lead them to the person responsible. By then, the press had already given the unknown assailant a moniker, the Malibu Sniper. The Sheriff's Department caught a break on October 9th of 2018 when a security camera caught footage of an unusual burglary at the Agora Hills Calabasas Community Center, not far from the entrance to the park. No items of value had been stolen, only food and drinks from the vending machines. The perpetrator was not school-aged kids getting into mischief, but rather a man in black tactical gear wearing a backpack and a battery-powered headlamp. There, slung over his right shoulder, was what appeared to be a rifle. According to reporting by Dana Goodyear in The New Yorker, investigators who responded to the scene found a distinctive boot print in a planter in the parking lot that reminded them of previous break-ins in the area that fit the same M.O., the prints and some nearby broken glass formed the beginning of a trail, a trail that police followed with the help of a trained canine. They followed the tracks until nightfall into the nearby hillsides before deciding to regroup and resume the search the following morning. Assigned to the command post set up for the manhunt, Detective Tui Wright used mapping software to scan the area. While doing so, something caught the former narcotics cop's eye. A tree canopy and what appeared to be a stream bed, the perfect spot for a hidden camp. That afternoon, a team of officers, including Lieutenant Royal and Detective Wright, hiked to the site, a ravine a mile north of Mulholland Highway. While en route, they broke into two teams, Royal and another deputy headed south, and the rest of the group moving west. The westward team fought its way through prickly, overgrown brush toward a shadow-covered ridgeline near the ravine. Steve Ahrens, a Los Angeles sheriff's deputy, said in court, It was a very eerie quiet. You just hear the wind slowly howling through the canyon. That silence was broken by a clanging noise coming from the direction of the ridge. Aaron's got down on one knee and looked through the scope of his rifle. Zooming in, he saw something unmistakable. A man in black wearing a backpack. And sticking out of that backpack was a gun. 
Freeze, Aaron screamed from a distance while the other officers advanced. A standoff ensued. According to Aaron's, before the man dropped the backpack containing the rifle, he responded to police commands by repeating, fuck you, shoot me. After a half hour, they had him in handcuffs. Of the man's camp, Wright said to the New Yorker, it was what we call a hooch, which is a military term for a homemade tent made from a tarp. The man now in police custody, 42-year-old Anthony Rauda, and the gun in his backpack, a 9mm carbine rifle. For Anthony Rauda, the Santa Monica Mountains were home. Unwilling to conform to societal norms, Rauda had lived in the urban wilderness on and off for three years before the June 2018 shooting of Tristan Baudet. No small feat, given the water-starved terrain. He'd gotten by with a mix of survival skills, cunningness, and old-fashioned thievery. In a series of jailhouse exchanges with New Yorker reporter Dana Goodyear, Rauda described his decision to escape into the mountains as a principled retreat from civilization, an intentional decision to try and lead a life without money, handouts, or human contact. In a letter to Goodyear, Rauda wrote, I have not used tents in years, so I can travel any time lightly, and so I can learn to survive outdoors with as little as possible. Much of Rauda's antisocial behavior could be attributed to mental illness, his father Oswald would tell the press, but he hadn't always been that way. Oswald Rauda said his youngest son, Tony, was a meticulous child, shy and gentle, who loved playing baseball. He was raised in Highland Park on Los Angeles's east side until his parents divorced and his mother took him and his two older siblings across the country to Tampa, Florida with her new husband. Anthony dropped out of high school, got a GED, and briefly joined the Army, training as an infantryman. When he returned to Los Angeles as a young adult, Rauda's father said his son was not the same person. In a March 2021 article titled A Shooter in the Hills, Goodyear wrote about Rauda. He made music and wrote poems. He tried to make it as a DJ, then when that didn't work out, as a movie extra. He spent time drifting up and down the coast, dipping into transient communities before he decided to live apart in a society of one. To prepare himself for life off the grid, Rauda read dozens of survivalist texts by authors like Ragnar Benson, who advocated for extreme measures, scrounging, stealing, poaching, trapping, a sort of adversarial self-reliance that Rauda would deeply embrace. Benson wrote once of the Mormons, pity them as they've broadcast to everyone they have giant stocks of good canned food. Rauda's life followed a similar trajectory to Benson's, including regular showdowns with authorities. When he was in his 20s, Rauda began breaking into buildings, stealing what he could and setting fires. In 2004, he was convicted of second-degree commercial burglary, 
after he broke into a high school and started a fire inside. Not long after, he was picked up for public drunkenness and fighting in Agora Hills, an L.A. suburb that backs up to Malibu Creek State Park. According to Goodyear, Rauda claimed that the deputy had attacked him, strangling him after he refused to consent to handcuffs. While the charges against Rauda were dismissed, the incident put him on the radar of the Lost Hills Sheriff's Station, a Los Angeles Sheriff's Department outpost near the Ventura County line. The station is responsible for policing several communities, including Malibu and Calabasas, and thousands of acres of open space in the Santa Monica Mountains. Goodyear wrote, Lost Hills is known as a slow station, an outpost in the boonies covering a vast and varied terrain. It has a beach team which patrols the sand on quads in the summer and tries to break up the flash mob of drunken teenagers each 4th of July. In court documents, Rauda said after the incident with the deputy, he feared for his life and began avoiding his probation officer. Rauda's father, who lived in the San Gabriel Valley outside of Los Angeles, said his son began acting strangely, laughing joylessly, and spending days alone in isolation. When he did receive communication from the outside world, it was often mailers from the National Rifle Association. In 2005, police obtained a search warrant for Oswald's home after his son was picked up in a probation sweep at a local motel. They discovered evidence that Anthony Rauda had purchased more than four pounds of explosives and was in possession of two guns, a double-barreled Derringer and a 44 revolver. Though the muzzle-loaded weapons were largely decorative, police accused Rauda of being a convicted felon in possession of a firearm, which is illegal in the state of California. Rauda argued that he needed the guns to protect himself from the Lost Hills deputies who'd harmed him. During court proceedings, Rauda tried to punch one of the officers who testified against him. Rauda, then 29 years old, went to state prison, where he served two years before being paroled. By that point, his mental health had severely deteriorated, and he was addicted to alcohol. Rauda's downward spiral led him to check out from society. Goodyear wrote, Sometimes he'd pass out, and sheriff's deputies once found him unconscious in suburbia, dressed in black and wearing a backpack full of contraband. Judges mandated therapy and treatment, but he didn't always complete it. Rauda told his father that he couldn't stand being around people and just wanted to disappear. A few times after he went off the grid around 2015, Oswald tried unsuccessfully to find his son in his camp near Malibu Creek State Park. When he arrived, the place always seemed neatly maintained, as if the brush had been cleared with a machete. Strangely, the clandestine camp was within eyeshot of, of all places, the Lost Hill Sheriff's Station, as if Rauda wanted to keep watch over the people he feared most. After Rauda was named the prime suspect in the Bodette killing and the other shootings in and around Malibu Creek State Park, several locals came forward 
to say they believed he was a patsy, someone easy for cops to pin the crime on. Karen and Arnold York, the publishers of the Malibu Times, a community newspaper, told the New Yorker in 2019 to take it with a grain of salt. Karen said, the fact that this guy was a homeless guy, it was so easy to say, his fault. Who knows, it may be a perfectly preppy looking guy who's got issues with guns, who did this, but we're not going to look for him. We're going to focus on somebody that threatens our vision of what Malibu should be. I'm a bit of a sucker for a 30-day free trial, especially if it's for a streaming service that's offering the latest true crime docuseries. The problem is that I often forget about that free trial and I end up paying a monthly subscription for a platform I don't even use. I only used it for that one docuseries. Luckily, Rocket Money has helped me find and cancel all the subscriptions I forgot about and have been wasting money on. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Did you know that most people are spending up to $200 a month on their subscriptions? It may seem like $20 here, $30 there, but it really adds up at the end of the month. And when you're signed up for so many services, it's easy to lose track of what you're paying for. Luckily, with Rocket Money, it's as easy as pressing a button to cancel those unwanted subscriptions. No long hold times or emails back and forth with customer service. Rocket Money does all the work for you. Rocket Money can also monitor all of your expenses all in one place. It offers custom budgets based on your prior spending and it'll notify you when you're reaching your spending limits. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions and manage your money the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com murderish. That's rocketmoney.com murderish. Rocketmoney.com murderish. From his first appearances in court, it became clear that Anthony Rauda was not well, that or he was acting poorly. At the time of his arrest in his secluded campsite, Rauda wasn't held on the charge of murder but rather a parole violation tied to the weapon found in his possession. Appearing in front of a judge on November 1st of 2018, Rauda was promptly dismissed from the courtroom after he began spitting and shouting obscenities at his public defender and the bailiff. At a rescheduled hearing one month later, Rauda was brought into the courtroom, strapped to a wheelchair and wearing a spit hood hardly the appearance of a criminal mastermind. After two months of speculation, the Los Angeles County District Attorney's Office officially charged Rauda with murdering Tristan Baudet and attempting to murder 10 others. The eight near-miss targets between 2016 and 2018 and Baudet's daughters. The charges were confirmed later that year by a grand jury which ordered Rauda to stand trial on more than 15 counts, including first-degree murder. But proceedings would have to be put on hold while the defense argued that Anthony Rauda was mentally unfit to stand trial. At an appearance in fall of 2020, officials made a preliminary finding 
that the mountain man's competency was in question, putting a trial in doubt. A defendant is deemed mentally incompetent if they can't understand the criminal proceedings brought against them, or if they're unable to assist their lawyer in mounting a rational defense. In such instances, the accused is held under lock and key in a mental health facility until the time comes when they are ruled competent. After numerous delays, a competency hearing for Rauda, by then 45 years old, was held in November of 2021. The two-week hearing culminated with a judge ruling that the artist-turned-survivalist was indeed fit to stand trial, suggesting that some of his strange behavior in court had been an act. The trial of Anthony Rauda finally got underway in the spring of 2023, nearly five years to the day of Tristan's murder. Rauda, who waived his right to attend the trial in person, watched most of the proceedings from the Los Angeles County Jail. Presenting its evidence to the public for the first time, the district attorney put on the stand a ballistics expert who testified that the bullet that struck and killed Tristan Baudet and the one that hit the Tesla days earlier had been fired by the rifle found in Anthony Rauda's possession. There was also the matter of a boot print taken from the Malibu Creek campground the night of the murder that matched a set of footwear recovered from Rauda's camp. Among those who took the stand, victims of the near-miss shootings who recounted for the jury how frightened they were for their lives. According to the Acorn newspaper, Ron Carson, the owner of the camper trailer that was hit by a shotgun blast in 2016, said the shot nearly took his head. Carson told the court, I sat up in bed, turned the light on, and looked to see what happened. There was debris everywhere. I was in bed with buckshot, and there was a hole in the wall. The trail of boot prints, broken glass, and junk food wrappers that led police to Anthony Rauda was reconstructed in testimony. Witnesses whose workplaces were near where Rauda was captured on October 10th of 2018 recounted how snacks and leftovers had gone missing from cabinets and refrigerators constantly in the preceding months. Wayne Wink, chief plant operator at the Tapia Water Reclamation Facility on Las Virginis Road in the heart of Malibu Canyon, recalled checking the stored food at the facility and finding a large bag of frozen chicken had vanished. Security footage played in court showed a dark-clad figure with a face mask and a rifle entering the plant's administration building and emerging with grocery bags. The message to jurors was simple. Anthony Rauda and the man in black were one and the same. Brandon Ferguson, recreation coordinator at the Agora Hills Calabasas Community Center, told the jury about coming to work in late July of 2018 to find a glass door smashed and a vending machine broken into, its snacks pilfered. When prosecutors showed surveillance images of a dark figure prowling around the center, Ferguson said he noticed for the first time a long, thin object protruding from the person's backpack. Was it the carbine rifle? 
Given an impossible task, defense attorneys did their part to take first-degree murder off the table, presenting evidence that Rauda had no idea if anyone was in the tent when he fired five shots in its direction. His attorney, Nick Okorocha, said, Out of five shots that appear to have been fired, the direction of three isn't even known. Of the two that hit the tent, one hit very low, one hit very high. It was speculative to argue that the shooter was targeting the tent specifically. According to the Los Angeles Times, L.A. County Deputy District Attorney Antonella Nistorescu described Rauda as a menacing and calculating presence who engaged in a pattern of stalking and preying upon campers. As proof, the DA showed that Rauda had searched the phrase bullet hits car gas tank while using the campground's wireless networks. Nistorescu said during closing arguments, he's actively trying to do something that you know would cause death when he researches how to blow up a car by shooting out a gas tank and then you see that he shoots at a BMW. The narrative, however, did not land completely with the jury. The luxury and convenience of overnight shipping has made me a little spoiled and impatient with how quickly I receive things that I've ordered online. It feels so great to find that one thing that you've been searching for for hours online, have read thousands of reviews on, and it arrives within 48 hours. We're all currently living in a convenience era because just about any product or service is available to us on demand. The one area that hasn't seemed to catch up with the times is our medical service. When it comes to finding a good doctor, it can take forever to get an appointment. Thankfully, ZocDoc has fixed this problem. ZocDoc is a place to find and book great doctors who have amazing reviews, with many appointments available within 24 hours. ZocDoc is a free app where you can find a great doctor and book appointments online. In the ZocDoc app, you can book appointments with thousands of top-rated patient-reviewed doctors and specialists and filter specifically for those who take your insurance, are located near you, and treat almost any condition you're searching for. And you can trust that these are real reviews, not bots. Say goodbye to anxiety-filled weeks of waiting to get an appointment with a doctor. The average wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is between 24 and 48 hours. With some doctors, you can even score a same-day appointment. Once you find the doctor you want, all you have to do is book them with just a few clicks. No more waiting on hold with the receptionist. Trying to find a date that's not so far into the future. Go to ZocDoc.com murderish and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. On May 26, 2023, a downtown Los Angeles jury found Anthony Rauda guilty of second-degree murder in the death of Tristan Baudet, ruling that it had not been premeditated. He was also convicted of two counts of attempted murder of Baudet's daughters, but he was cleared of the remaining eight counts. The jury had decided that there wasn't enough evidence to connect Anthony Rauda to the prior shootings in and around Malibu Creek State Park, 
The shotgun used in most of those instances was never recovered. With the prosecution failing to achieve a first-degree murder conviction, the option of life without the possibility of parole was taken off the table. The distinction meant little when it came time for sentencing. On June 7, 2023, a judge gave Anthony Rauta what is tantamount to a life sentence. She sentenced the 46-year-old to 119 years in prison, 40 years for killing Tristan Baudet, plus an additional 79 years for nearly killing Baudet's two daughters and for the burglaries. At sentencing, Rauda was wheeled into court wearing his typical garb, a restraining chair with glasses and a black mesh hood. It was his first time in court since the start of the trial. According to the Acorn newspaper, Baudet's widow, Erica Wu, delivered a devastating victim statement during which she imagined the experience of her daughters and her dying husband as they lay in their tent on that dark June 2018 night at Malibu Creek State Park. Erica Wu said, the most heartbreaking loss has been bearing witness to their loss. Before announcing Rauda's sentence, Judge Eleanor Hunter did not mince words, telling the convicted man, this case was chilling it was violent. There was absolutely no remorse. Your only motive that day was to kill. While Anthony Rauta's conviction brought her some sense of justice, Erica Wu says it did little to deaden the pain of knowing her daughters will grow up without their father. It breaks her heart that her youngest has no memory of him, of his kindness, of his caring nature, or his desire to make the world a better place. For her oldest daughter, he's little more than a fading recollection of hugs, hikes, and bedtime stories. In her 2021 expose in The New Yorker, Goodyear wrote about Erica Wu. After Baudet's death, she couldn't spend another night in their house in Orange County. The moving vans came, as scheduled, for their move to the Bay Area. Her sisters did everything and put most of the stuff from the old house into a storage unit. Wu barely remembers this period. She didn't move into the house that Baudet had found for them. She rented another place, a townhouse near the medical center where she works. Every day feels like a lifetime, she told me. She still can't believe that her husband kissed her goodbye the morning of his camping trip and never came back. To keep her husband's memory alive, Wu made photo albums for her daughters that was until they became too difficult and painful to look at. One day, while rummaging through their mother's closet, the girls found a box with their father's favorite t-shirts in it. Then, they started wearing them to bed. On Tristan's birthday each year, Erica Wu told Goodyear she takes off work and lets the girls miss school. They spend the day together, doing something their father would have loved. Goodyear wrote, On his most recent birthday, they went hiking in the Redwoods. Wu took a wrong turn and they ended up lost on a six-mile hike. When they finally made their way back, they took some of his ashes to the Pacific Ocean and scattered them from the beach. Anthony Rauda has said he has plans to appeal his conviction. 
Though he was convicted of murder, not everyone believes that Anthony Rauda is guilty. The Local Malibu, a publication that exposed law enforcement for potentially covering up the Malibu Creek State Park shootings, published an article in September of 2019 that detailed another shooting in the area. According to the article, two weeks after Anthony Rauda was arrested, another vehicle was struck by bullets on October 28th of 2018, just outside Malibu Creek State Park. The shooting called into question whether the right person had been convicted of Tristan Baudet's murder. Lieutenant James Royal, meanwhile, has received the green light to move forward with his lawsuit against the Sheriff's Department. Just days after Rauda's conviction, Superior Court Judge Elaine Liu lifted the stay on Royal's complaint and ordered the parties back to the courtroom. According to the lawsuit, Sheriff's Department leadership began retaliating against Royal shortly after Erica Wu filed her lawsuit. He was transferred from the Lost Hills Station to a less prestigious post in Santa Clarita, more than 80 miles away, stripped of his detective status, deprived of overtime opportunities, and assigned to less favorable shifts. Lieutenant Royal's attorney, Matthew McNicholas, said, Lieutenant Royal attempted to discharge his duty to the public and was shut down. And when the department actually got sued for failing to do the very thing he begged them to do, they turned the power of the badge against him to shut him down and control him. As of August 2023, Detective Royal's lawsuit remains unresolved. Last year, Erica Wu finally found the strength to take that new opportunity in the Bay Area. She's now an assistant professor at Stanford Medicine, specializing in maternal and fetal care. The girls are now seven and nine. They make their home just outside Palo Alto. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Murderish, I'm going to be on Podcast Row at CrimeCon again this year. CrimeCon is happening in Orlando, Florida from September 22nd to September 24th, 2023. And I'll be there all weekend on Podcast Row, meeting fans and enjoying the company of so many other true crime podcasters and high-profile individuals who work in the true crime space. If you're planning to attend CrimeCon, and I hope you are, use my promo code MURDERISH for 10% off a standard badge. Just go to crimecon.com and use code MURDERISH for 10% off. I really hope to see you there. If you're listening right now, make sure you're following me on Instagram and TikTok at Jamie on Air. That's J-A-M-I on Air on Instagram and TikTok, especially because I recently started a true crime TV club called The Serial Streamers. Serial Streamers is just like a book club, only it's a club for people who watch true crime TV series and documentaries. If you want to join the Serial Streamers Club, all you have to do is follow me on Instagram at jamieonair and watch for videos about the latest TV series we're watching so you can join us in the comments to share your thoughts on each series. That's jamieonair on Instagram. I also record video of every Serial Streamers episode on YouTube 
So make sure to subscribe at Jamie on Air on YouTube. If you'd rather listen to Murderish with no interruptions, you can do so by signing up for Murderish Behind the Mic on Patreon. To sign up for Murderish Behind the Mic, visit Murderish.com or go to Patreon.com and search for Murderish there and start enjoying ad-free episodes right away. Thanks so much to Jerry L. for becoming the latest Murderish Behind the Mic patron. I appreciate your support. If you need more podcasts to listen to, I got you. I host another true crime podcast called Dirty Money Moves Women in White Collar Crime. The podcast follows my investigation of a woman I met a few years ago, a woman who turned out to be a prolific scam artist. Dirty Money Moves is available in all podcast apps. If you enjoy Murderish, consider leaving a positive rating and review in any podcast player. This episode was researched and written by Kay Brandt. Visit Murderish.com for a list of sources used for this episode. And remember, listening to this podcast doesn't make you a murderer. It just means you're murder-ish. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.